0: I need that prayer this morning. Um, I'm feeling disturbed in my spirit as I stand before you. So uh, I really do need the Holy Spirit to be leading and guiding me this morning, above all mornings. Okay, so that's, um, that's the title of our talk this morning, Forgiveness, Doing It Well, and um, just to show you I've actually read something Um, when I was asked to speak on forgiveness um, my heart sank and I thought oh no surely surely we've had so much teaching on this surely we know all this stuff already but uh, As i've been studying and seeking god over the last four weeks um, whilst we've been in spain and portugal um, yes we are still members of scf and yes i still am an elder here although i feel a bit like a visiting speaker this morning Um, god has really shown me some some great stuff and uh, as usual i'm sure in preparing For a preach, the person who's done the preparing is far more blessed than the people who have to sit and listen to it. I praise God that when I committed my life to him, I became a son of the God of heaven and earth. And I came into a huge blessing through that however i get it wrong i struggle i still get things wrong i continue to be a work in progress and i will continue to be a work in progress as long as I'm here on this earth. I know that I don't always handle relationships as well as I should. I'm not always as patient and as forbearing as I know I should be. And I'm told it's pretty evident that when, that's where my heart is. I'm also a bloke. And like most blokes, my brain doesn't always take me where I would like it to be taking me. Those are struggles that I have and I work with and I seek to live out. And I pray that through the Holy Spirit being at work in me, that little by little, those imperfections that are just part of being a bloke, part of being human, will be refined to become more like Jesus. We all, as my old man used to say, we've all got holes in our boat somewhere. We all have temptations, and we all have propensities to be drawn towards one type of temptation rather than another. We all struggle. So let's just get that out there. Let's be honest. Let's be open. But I pray that in my recognition of my weakness that that brings about compassion for my brothers and sisters i pray that it means that when my brother or sister falls that i'm there to lift them up not to pour condemnation upon them out of my own weakness how to recognise recognising my own weakness, I pray that that drives me to help others. I'm, uh, I'm hugely blessed uh, and indebted to, to Paul Belcher. Uh, a number of weeks ago, he gave us a book list, and amongst that book list was a, a tiny little book called Sit, Walk, Stand by, by Watchman Nee and um, these are some quotes i'll be quoting various at various points from watchman knee but the, the the language is a little antiquated but as you read this there on the screen to me responsibility speaks of purpose it speaks of calling and it speaks of authority and that term manifest kinship it's not just about wearing the badge it's not just about wearing the shirt it's about having the same calling as Jesus Christ it's living our lives within the family within the world here in the way that Jesus would have us to live it and that reference there to sit forever with Christ our inheritance, our sanctification, our eternal destiny as children of God as a specific purpose whilst we're here on earth. It's not just for our own benefit, it's for the benefit of everyone. And particularly for the benefit of those who don't yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. But as soon as we forget to lean on Jesus, as soon as we forget, and we try and do things in our own strength, that's when we fall. That's when the bloke in me comes out. That's when the old man starts to take over. So our conduct and our behaviour Depend fundamentally on sitting with Jesus Christ day by day, hour by hour. So, if you go to sleep for the next 30 minutes or so, this is what you need to remember forgiveness. Is an essential part of loving each other the extent to which we're able to forgive is a mark of our spiritual maturity forgiveness is a spiritual discipline and we need to practice it and we need to exercise it and confession, forgiveness, restoration are essential within, within an authentic, healthy Christian community, which I believe is God's heart for his church overall, but in particular for us here as part of the family of God as SCF. So before we move on, I wonder whether you'd be willing to just pray with me. And let's pray as the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray. And let's pray his prayer. And we're going to do it the old-fashioned way. Is that okay? So, perhaps you'd pray along with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Here's the tough bit. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is really tough stuff, isn't it? And in the natural, in our natural selves, it's impossible to love one another in the way that Jesus Christ loves us it's only through jesus at work with us that we're able to do that it's only in moving in his strength rather than in our own that that's possible and as we love one another we bless one another and we receive a blessing ourselves and as people around us seeing us living in the in the fullness of that then they will see a different community they will see the authentic mark of Jesus Christ on his people here at SCF but unless we're able to forgive one another then we can't love one another So forgiveness lies at the root of that love, because we all mess up. We all get things wrong, and sometimes we don't even realise we've done it. The extent that we're able to forgive is an indication of the Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit at work within us, and if. We find ourselves in a situation where we can't forgive, then what we're called to do is to seek God's strength, seek the Holy Spirit working within us to enable us to forgive. I'd suggest to you that in the extreme, if unforgiveness has taken such a hold in us, that we are unable to forgive then we've really got to ask ourselves whether we're really born again whether we're really disciples of Jesus Christ because by their fruit you shall know them and if the fruit of our lives is unforgiveness then we've got to look within ourselves and say what is it that's within me is it Jesus Christ is he really Lord of my life Whilst we're in Spain, I, I, um, I get, my, Sunday, I get my, my times every day. If I can't get on Wi-Fi, um, if I can't get on 4G, then I start to get a bit twitchy because I've, I've, uh, I've not read my times today. And um, sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes it isn't. Um, but what I'd like to do now is just give you a little case study. A little case study of how far we can all fall. And yet, God still cares for us. He still lifts us up. And He can do amazing things out of those depths that we've fallen to. Many of you will remember the case of Jonathan Aitken. He was a government minister uh, who had an affair um, and sued the Guardian newspaper for libel. Um, That was unsuccessful and he got sent down for seven months so here he is as a government minister and he's now in prison i'm going to read a little bit of what the the the, the times wrote jono as he was known inside inside soon found himself part of a motley prayer group cobbled together by an irish burglar there was a blagger an armed robber, a blower, that's somebody who cracks safes for a living, a kiter, that's a check forger, a couple of murderers, and a dipper, that's a pickpocket. He fondly remembers the Big Dipper of Brixton. His party trick was taking my watch off me without me noticing. He was excellent at his art. On the 30th of this month, Jonathan Aitken will be ordained as into the Church of England as a vicar by the Bishop of London his, his ministry now is to go into prisons and be a prison chaplain that is a life that's been redeemed that's our God that's our God this man Asked his teenage daughter to lie on oath for him. That's how far down he went, and yet God has redeemed him. Amen. Fantastic, isn't it? Just going to change pace slightly. Um, sometimes we we forget the gold dust that's been mined by people in the history of the of the church many many years ago and we we forget that at our peril and we we think oh you know we've got all the revelation and it's it's got to happen today well i'm going to share some stuff with you now from the westminster confession of 1646 yes 1646 over 300 years ago and the language is antiquated so bear with me I'm going to go through it at pace because home group leaders I want you to spend time unpacking this with your home groups there is real depth in what I'm about to share so I noticed for the guys on the desk rather than putting my slides on the website if you could put my teaching notes on the website that would be a real that would be a real blessing Um, so but before we do that, let's just get clear about one word. Because one word can sometimes trip us up, can't it? And it can spoil our understanding. Sanctification. Sanctification. The process of being made or becoming holy, i.e. set apart from God for God. Every one of us has been and is being sanctified. As I say, don't be put off by the language just stick with it and we're going to go through it at pace the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified as the Holy Spirit works in us then that old person gets weak that old man that was there gets weaker and weaker the sanctification goes on throughout our life because we remain imperfect until we go into the next life and there's this war within us that we struggle with every day every single one of us struggles with it but we have to rely upon the strength of the Holy Spirit sanctifying working within us and the only way we can do that is to rest upon Christ alone bless you and the only reason that we are able to claim it is through God's grace not through anything that we have done this blew my mind that repentance unto life is an evangelical doctrine to be preached by every minister of the gospel this is so important that the church fathers in 1646 said repentance has to be taught by every minister of the gospel the difficult bit is there's no sin so small but it deserves damnation but here's the good bit and I'm sure this is what Jonathan Aitken stood upon for all those years there is no sin so great that it can bring damnation upon those who truly repent. Wow. And then general repentance isn't good enough. What we've got to be doing is repenting of specific sins because then we actually bring those specific sins, those specific issues to God, don't we? And then, this bit here, it's, a, it's pretty long-winded, but what it's about is, is about reconciliation. It's about us coming together and being reconciled as brothers and sisters within the church. Because as I said earlier, like every other fruit that God produces in us as believers, forgiveness is an evidence of our salvation. This is one of the proofs that the Holy Spirit is actually working within us. This is an interesting quote that I came across from uh, Robert Mulholland Forgiveness is the most difficult spiritual discipline. So, what Mulholland is saying is that just like reading our Bibles, like praying every day, Forgiveness is something that we've got to practice every single day. And when I was in business, um, we used to talk about clients paying for the work that they've done. And we used to talk about getting them into the habit of paying. Don't let them go for a year and then suddenly give them a big bill at the end. Far better to give them a monthly bill and get them into the habit of paying the money. And so it is with us, with forgiveness, that the longer we leave it, then the more difficult it is to forgive. And that whole process of forgiving can take months, can take years, and I think it's true to say that the the greater the emotional investment that you've made or that has been made in the person who's injured you then the more difficult it is to forgive but that's where the discipline comes in isn't it and uh, as elders here at SCF we see all too often that that's a long agonising painful painful process so some practical stuff again for us to be able to forgive has to be a gift from God we can't do it in our own strength to forgive is to freely share what's already been given to us And as I said at the the head of the talk the more we're aware of our own weaknesses, the more we're aware of how much we've been forgiven, of how much we're forgiven on a day-by-day basis, then the more that that comes home. The challenge we have, I think, as evangelical Christians, more and more, is that our starting point is not that of the world. It's different. We start from a different place. We're called to start from a different place than the world would start from. It's one of the differences of being a church family rather than being a squash club or a football club. It's one of the things that marks us out, I guess. Just listen to this quote from Watchman Knee Nothing has done greater harm to our Christian testimony than our trying to be right and demanding right of others. We become preoccupied with what is right and what is not right. We ask ourselves whether we have been justly or unjustly treated and seek to vindicate our actions. But that is not our standard. The whole question for us is one of cross-bearing. Wow. because we've been called to have the same standards as Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ it's a question of grace not of what we deserve, not of what's right or wrong in the world's eyes that sense of right and wrong in New Testament times would have been attributed to the the Gentiles and the tax gatherers we would talk about it as being now part of the world But we are being called to that principle of the cross and the perfection of the Father so again from Watchman Nee we're called not to stand on our rights we're not to feel that because we've gone the second mile that we've done enough the goal we're called to strive for is conformity to Christ we have nothing to stand for nothing to ask or demand we have only to give. When Christ died on the cross, he didn't do it to defend our rights. It was for grace that took him there. Now, as his children were called to love others generously and to go beyond the, the extra mile. That sense of true forgiveness. In order to, to really forgive, we have to walk into. Last time I was here, I was talking about conflict, wasn't I? And, and I talked about walking into the danger. And to a certain extent, we have to walk into that danger. But sometimes time has to elapse before that's possible. Um, to a certain extent, the wounds have to at least start to heal before we're able to start to bring about that true healing. Forgiveness isn't about tolerating wrong, it's not about ignoring things. It's about intentionally carrying a load in faith. What do I mean by that? Sometimes the person who's wronged us, doesn't even realise that they've done it. Sometimes they're unable or unwilling to admit that they've wronged us. Perhaps they just don't understand. Their perspective is completely different to ours. Sometimes they're not even there, they (coughs) are gone. Either gone because they've passed away or gone because they're just in a different geography what do we do in those circumstances we carry our cross and the more that we submit to Jesus then experience says the easier it gets over time it's a bit like bereavement isn't it, it takes time sometimes you never do completely get over the hurt but you can actually forgive in the way that Jesus is asking us to. The alternative is that we become defined by that unforgiveness. It becomes the mark upon us. Instead of the mark upon us being Jesus Christ and his love and his impact in our lives, that mark upon us becomes unforgiveness. And that's not impacting the other person but it's impacting us so sometimes we can't impact the other person directly the only way we can impact the other person is through prayer and by bringing things to God in prayer as ourselves individually and with our brothers and sisters in Christ the other Aspect here is that Satan's paralysing stranglehold on us quite often is because we accept his lies. Nobody else, nobody else in the church could possibly have the thoughts that I have. Nobody in the church could possibly have done what I've done. What i've done is beyond the pale it's beyond redemption jesus wouldn't want me i'm just too unworthy those are all lies of the enemy and they're lies of the enemy that grow in the dark and the more we bring them out into the open and the more honest we are as brothers and sisters in christ of the struggles that we're having and the way that we've fallen down the more Jesus can impact and the more we become like Christ. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to scoop down to perhaps our response as individuals. And again, I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. There are a number of aspects that really shape our response as individuals grief we're grieving because a life has been marred Christ's name has been shamed there has to be a sense of realism in that in giving ourselves to Christ Our lives are not transformed in an instant as we've said so many times in the last 35 minutes or so it's an ongoing battle that self-examination recognizing our own weaknesses so that we can help our brothers and sisters recognizing that in forgiveness and reconciliation everyone is welcome People could have looked on Jonathan Akin and said forget him and yet God still had his hand upon him but there has to be a new discipline brothers and sisters who have fallen as we have fallen there has to be a new discipline that is put in place quite often foundational issues have to be dealt with Um, it has to be a real reconstruction job in some ways that those ruins of a life can be rebuilt into something which is really going to glorify God and by working together that we can help each other remodel and reshape our lives But part of that may be putting new boundaries in place new boundaries may have to be put in place either permanently or temporarily so that the person who has fallen can grow within a walled garden can grow within a a safe space and they can grow strong within that safe space but that walled garden those walls of the garden also protect the people who've been wronged and they allow the people who've been wronged to feel safe as well so that is is really putting those new boundaries in place can be really really important as we as we think about going into communion And I suggest, Sally, we just go into communion when you're ready. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, 16. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's remember that none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy in our own strength to come to the Lord's table. Let's remember it's only the sanctifying blood of Jesus Christ as he hung there on that cross that enables each and every one of us to actually come and share communion. Because we all fall short. And the cross is good news for every single one of us, it's the good news that the world out there needs to hear. The cross is a place where broken lives can be restored and healed and all are welcome in God's eyes. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. So as we share communion together, let's proclaim the Lord's death. Let's proclaim that the cross speaks of forgiveness for sinful people. Let's proclaim that the cross speaks of restoration for broken people. And let's proclaim that the cross speaks for inclusion for isolated people. Sally, over to you.